Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am at Williamson NFL on Twitter. I am at WilliamsonFootball.com is my website. And I am in the dorm still here at Steeler Training Camp, but not for long. Camp has ended from a media perspective. Steelers traveled to Green Bay on Thursday, so tomorrow they wake up, do a little bit of walkthrough, travel to Green Bay. So there's nothing here for us anymore. The dorms are empty. It's like a ghost town. It's been three weeks of covering the team, and everybody is scattered to go home to their loved ones. I have not yet because I am doing a on-location show from 7 to 9 here at a local watering hole, Dino's Bar and Grill. And then I am uh, heading home from there. So I'll be home tomorrow night and from there ever after, I guess. But it was a blast. It was very cool being a part of the whole training camp experience. Um, Excited to do it again next year. At times it was a grind and slow for sure. You know, it's not supposed to be a roller coaster. But it was very cool being this close to the team during the entire training camp process. It's the first time I've done it since I was with the Browns, obviously. Um, you know, living in basically the same arrangements, eating with the players and coaches and all those things. You find out things, and it's been very cool. Um, we are brought to you by The Athletic today. I will tell you more about them. Yet another new sponsor for the Locked On Network. We are growing quickly. Um, a bunch of news and notes around the league. One's a big one. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll talk Eagles in here in a moment. But in the meantime, uh, Des Bryant is meeting with the Browns on Thursday. I mean, I understand acquiring talent, and I'm not saying Dez is done, but I don't understand this. And I'm not even saying Dez is a bad guy. It's just, he's a distraction. And you're trying to build a winning culture there. Dez is a go-up-and-get-it guy, a contested catch-receiver. He never ran a real expansive route tree. You know, even on his best day, he always aligned on the same spot. He can't align all over the formation. His football intelligence isn't off the charts. And those kind of guys have gotten by with first-round ability. I mean, he was big, strong, powerful, better speed then, you know. Never was a burner, never was a great separator, but now is a poor separator. And I still think he has value in the league, you know, particularly near the goal line, going up, being big. But you're an 0-16 team trying to change the culture there. Do you need to bring in yet another volatile wide receiver into the mix? You know, Gordon's not even there yet. I guess this doesn't exactly bring ringing confidence that he will be reporting or be an asset this year. Who knows? I'm just guessing on that. Landry, as we've seen on Hard Knocks, and by the way, I'll watch the second one of those tonight. I have not been in front of my TV. Um, You know, obviously he's trying to change the culture, but he can be a disruptive guy as well, which is part of the reason he's not in Miami. Callaway, who looked great in the preseason game and has a ton of ability, but he has all kinds of off-the-field issues. So, I mean, I know they have the cap space and all this stuff, and maybe they sign him to a two-year deal. I just don't know that that's smart team building. Um, so that's my thoughts on Dez to the Browns. Another wide receiver note, uh, Goodwin in, in San Francisco. Clearly Garoppolo's favorite target. And, you know, I did that, that joint podcast yesterday with Locked On Bills fellows, and wouldn't he still look good in Buffalo? Like, this is a really good player with Olympic speed 
who's really come into his own with San Francisco. But the Bills at one point had Sammy Watkins, Rashawn Woods, Goodwin, Hogan. Like, that would be a pretty good group of receivers. Kept them all, paid them. You know, like, now you're talking. Now they got very little, you know. But um, it looks like Goodwin could very well be in store for another huge year. Um, I would bet that he gets more targets than Garcon. Although, you know, in the Shanahan offense, going back to Daddy and Kubiak when he had Andre Johnson and, and Julio times, this is an offense that generally stresses having a true number one, Julio, Andre, Brandon Marshall, those type of guys. And I don't think Goodwin, even on his best day, is that player. And it wouldn't shock me at all in what should be a very heavy, loaded receiver draft Maybe you know they go out and get that prototypical number one this offseason or make a trade or sign a free agent. So that's not a knock on Goodwin. I think he could put up really good numbers this year. But I bet deep down they're going to add you know the 6-4 version. You know what I'm saying? Speaking of sort of a prototypical wide receiver, Devontae Parker broke his finger. And he really is... I've had mixed feelings on him. At times I've bought in. At times I've rolled my eyes. And I'm not saying we got to flush this dude, but all reports up to this in camp were discouraging. You know, that he has not looked good. He has not seized the number one job that they so desperately want him to do. That he's somewhat of an undisciplined route runner, which is a real problem in that specific system. Gase really needs you to be where I want you to be. And, you know, he has not been necessarily. He's not a great separator thus far. A lot of ability, but not putting it all together. Now yet another obstacle to overcome, and a big one, a broken finger. You know, he was never the best ball skills to begin with. Eh, not bad, but um, supposed to be, uh, I would say questionable, I think, is the best way to put it for week one at this point, which is, what, three weeks away. Broken fingers are a big deal for receivers. You know, this isn't... <laughs> You know, this isn't a small thing to me, especially what we've seen out of Parker thus far, which is worrisome. So you look at the Dolphins and an interesting team, but where's the star power? You know, I mean, who are the studs, particularly on offense? I, I, I could see them. ESPN just put out their power ranks, and I peeked at them. They had the Dolphins 32nd. And I don't think that's that outlandish. I mean, I could paint a picture where this is a 6-7 win team. Things go well. Tannehill progresses. I do like him. I like Gase. But who are the difference makers? I mean, Parker's a guy they absolutely needed to be a difference maker. And he's not going down that road, that's for sure. I mean, is this going to be a team picking in the top five next year? I'm starting to lean towards yes. And I will do another power ranks before the season. And I bet they're awfully low. I mean, awfully low. All right, all right, all right. Uh, now I have to- I'm going to tell you about our relationship here with The Athletic, a new budding one that makes an awful lot of sense. Because if you go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL, all lowercase, all one word, you get 40% off your first year prescription. It's only $2.99 a month, which is a heck of a deal. Um, and what it, why I say it's a really good partnership between the Locked On Network and what all you guys are doing now in The Athletic is they are they cover, let me tell you like my experience with them. Mark Caboli is the athletics representative for the Steelers. And much like Locked On Steelers, he's a beat writer for the Steelers. I was at the bars with him last night. You see him at practice every day. He's a great guy. He's exceptional at what they do. 
what he does. And the athletic has these guys in every city at every sport for you. You know, so if you're into the locked on network, including NBA, and you want to get localized coverage, but also a national feel, the athletic makes an awful lot of sense for you. So go to theathletic.com slash locked on NFL. Again, all lowercase. You'll save 40% off your first year subscription, which is a heck of a deal. 40% off. So it's a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. You know, if you're really into your team or the league or many teams, this is perfect for you, many sports. The Athletics motto is simple. There's no ads. There's no pop-ups. There's no auto-play videos. So the readers subscribe to an authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Like I said, I've dealt with Mark Caboli quite a bit. And I will tell you, he's about as good as it gets in the business, and they have many people along those lines. Coverage will go beyond game recaps and trade speculation to provide smarter analysis and a deeper perspective about teams and the league overall. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 650 news stories published every week across all sports. That's a lot of stories, 650. Subscribe and be part of the future of sports journalism absolutely are great writers running the show here so again um, alongside all this great local talent the athletic also provides in-depth coverage of the nfl at the conference and national levels and they're going to be adding new people in that department as well so i urge you go to theathletic.com slash locked on nfl all one word lowercase all right as mentioned i want to talk eagles injury situation here a little and Super Bowl champs, obviously. Did it without Carson Wentz at the end of the season. Jason Peters missed substantial time. He's still playing really, really well. I think he's a Hall of Fame left tackle. Jordan Hicks missed time. So this is obviously an exceptional team. A very deep roster. Very few weaknesses. So if they can withstand some injuries, you know, probably better than anyone in the league, give or, you know, more or less. And again, they won the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. So what we're hearing... Again, middle of August, is Wentz is very questionable for week one. And I would think with Foles in the mix and where they sit, you'd probably bring him along slow. Caution, you know, error on the side of caution with your superstar franchise quarterback. I get that. But, and I take nothing away from Nick Foles. He played unbelievably well those last two games of the, of the season. NFC Championship game, Super Bowl. Phenomenal. I mean, and he obviously has that in him. But I also think you look at Foles' body of work throughout his career, and I don't think he's a guy you win with. You know, I mean, I think he is a backup, a probably a high-end backup, but, I mean, I'd much rather have Andy Dalton, who's a lower-end starter. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think teams look at Foles and say, oh, he could be our starter if we can pry him away from the Eagles. Great coaching staff, great supporting cast, and they can have plenty of time to scheme up around Foles' strengths and weaknesses, as they did for those two highly important games. And they've proven in the past they can do it. But, I mean, Wentz is a phenomenal, phenomenal difference maker. And I think this is a big deal. Now, the not the bigger deal, but the newer news is Alshon Jeffrey is probably going to be on the pup list to start the season, which means he's out for the first six games, if not longer. But what I understand, six games is going to cover it. He should come back and be healthy by, you know, by week seven. Will he be? Will he have a little rust? Probably. You know, he hasn't practiced. 
And for those of you who don't know, he he played last year's his first year in Philadelphia with a torn rotator cuff. I mean, as a wide receiver catching the ball over your heads, particularly with his style of play as a go up and get it guy, that's pretty impressive. I mean, even if it's just a slight tear, but it had to get worse throughout the season. And he started his career there slow. I mean, he had a 92-yard receiving game in Week 2, but really the first 10 games or so were pretty underwhelming, his first 10 games or so in green. But then as the season went on, I thought he got very comfortable, really started to gel with Wentz. Wentz started to look to him more. He started to produce quite a bit more. And I thought Alshon was really good through the playoffs, really good in the Super Bowl, beat up on Eric Rowe in the Super Bowl time and time again. And, you know, we always talk about teams put their money where their mouth is. And late in the year, he signed a five-year extension during the regular season for big money. You know, so they love him. You know, they, they, they're sold on the guy. He's the number one. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. So, you know, he's basically in the prime of his career. And while he's not, he's had some injuries, that's for sure. He also had a suspension. These are starting to add up for Alshon. I mean, that is absolutely a worry. Um, you know, he, he didn't, he's 28 years old. He's, he didn't, he caught less than 50% of his intended targets last year, which, you know, doesn't sound great, especially when Wentz is throwing you the ball. He like I said, 92 receiving yards in week two was the best he was able to put up. But again, I mean, he really started to shine as the season went on. And I think that's absolutely crucial in this situation. Um, and, and the other thing he really does well, which I know fantasy people will tell you is sort of fluky, but to me it's a skill that he shows. You know, And I talk about this with Jimmy Graham a lot, is he catches touchdowns. And his ball skills are great jump ball guy um, I think he's gotten better and better in this department so when you're going to get near the goal line and you want points I mean Alshon is your guy and I, I, that's who I think he is as a player right now and again that term number one receiver gets thrown around too much around the NFL but he'd be a close one is he a number one or is he not quite get my distinction he's like on the border and again there's usually like i'd say about a dozen or so of those in the league so alshon's somewhere between the 10th and 20th best receiver in this league which you know obviously has a lot of value and gets you a big contract now with alshon out i think matt collins Mac Hollins will take over his role. Similar body type, big physical young kid, some deep speed. Um, has made his bones as a great special teamer. Really intriguing prospect. I think they'll use him the same way, but to expect him to be anything close to Alshon's crazy. And I think they've looked at Hollins as maybe a year from now he would be the other outside receiver with Alshon on one side, Aguilar on the slot, Hollins as the number two quote, as the other outside guy. Well, now it's, well, son, the time is now. You step up in the NFL and your time is now. Um, I mentioned Aguilar. I really think he's found his niche out of the slot, and I thought he played extremely well last year. Is he ready to handle, you know, outside and two receiver sets a great deal? I don't think that's where he's best, that's for sure. 
Will two receiver sets then be Mike Wallace, who takes over for Torrey Smith? You know, he's the take the top off the defense guy. He's the speed guy, which is important in this system. You know, Tyreek Hill plays it in Kansas City. Tyreek Hill does it better than any of these guys. But I think Wallace will be better than Torrey Smith, still at his age. Um, but in two receiver sets, are you going to see Wallace and Hollins? Or is Aguilar going to play outside again, which isn't what he does best, but he's a better player than either one of these guys. So that's a little tricky. Um, Dallas Goddard, who I watched intently in week one because they played the Steelers, thought he looked great. And I think that you're going to see a lot more double tight end sets than you might have guessed. And they did play a lot of them with Trey Burton, obviously, last year, too. Of course, Zach Ertz is a foundational player. He's a constant here. He is absolutely a Wentz favorite. But will Wentz be thrown to him? And when will Wentz be thrown to him? But I do think, you know, when you, they drafted Goddard, obviously the number two tight end is a very important guy for their roster. But I think his role will even expand because he looks great to me. I love them coming out of school. I thought he was a first-round caliber prospect. They plucked him right before the Cowboys could grab him. So, again, that, that means Ertz, a running back, Goddard on the field. It means two receivers. How do you use Aguilar like we were talking about before? That'll be interesting. But I do trust his coaching staff to work it out. And, again, they'll play a ton of three-receiver sets, as every team does. But I would actually, even though they played a lot of double tights, I could see that percentage bumping up this year. I also think it's interesting because Darren Sproles wasn't in the mix last year. I mean, you talk about targets, I bet he gets involved early on without Alshon there. You know, that we'll get Darren Sproles in the, in the passing game, get him out in space. I also think Corey Clement's really promising in that regard, too, as an all-around back. I think he's a very good player, much underrated player. So... They're pretty well set to handle this. But still, I mean, we're talking about a team without their number one receiver and without the best young quarterback in the league, you know, for maybe up to six weeks. Who knows? I mean, I don't know how long Wentz will be out or if he'll be out at all, but there's got to be rust with these guys too. I mean, Wentz hasn't done anything. However, so let's examine what the, the schedule looks like. And as everyone knows, Atlanta comes to Philly on opening night which I always, I've told you guys this a million times, that I always feel for that poor team because it's always a good team with high playoff aspirations, Super Bowl aspirations, as is the case with the Falcons. But, man, it's almost like you, you start the season 0-1. you got to walk into the Super Bowl champion's place. It's a buzzsaw. Awful playing conditions. You know, first week of the season, how much did your guys play, and boom, you got this awful test. Well, for Atlanta, if you get Foles and you don't get Alshon, I mean, are they favored in that game right now? If, if I tell you Wentz and Alshon are not going to play in week one in Philly, what's the line in that game? I mean, maybe it's Atlanta minus one, minus two. You know, I mean, the Eagles' defense is obviously great, and they got a great offensive line and running game, and they have a lot, and they can withstand these things, but Atlanta's a strong team. So, you know, that, that works out pretty well for the Falcons. I mean, now yeah, I'm not saying I'll pick them, or if I know they're a favorite, I don't know. But then the Eagles go to Tampa in week two without Jameis Winston. So they kind of get to flop things around as, as Atlanta gets that fortuitous bounce in week one. The Eagles do in week two. Then they host the Colts. And they're clearly favored in that one. I think they're clearly favored in Tampa. Go to Tennessee. Like, this is the game I kind of look at and say, you got to think Wentz is probably there by then in week four. But if not, maybe that's one you look back and say, if we would have had our guys, maybe we win that one, and we didn't in this case in Tennessee. I think Tennessee will be improved. You know, 
uh, I'm not a line builder, but who who's favored right now in Tennessee? The the Eagles or the Titans at home without Alshon, without Wentz, or if it's Wentz's return game, you know. So I mean, we're kind of guessing when Wentz will come back. Then you host the Vikings, rough, no doubt. And then you travel to New York to play the Giants in Week Six, and that'll be Alshon's last game he misses, assuming he goes on pop as reported. That's not so bad. You know, I mean, again, this team's built to withstand things. Those six games, I got to think four and two, you know, they're going to beat the Colts. I think they'll beat the Bucks. I think that I like their chances in New York with the Giants week six. I'm assuming Wentz is there by then. Um, Atlanta's tough, no doubt. The Vikings are tough, no doubt. But both those games are at home. You know, could be worse. And at Tennessee, you know, I mean, again, they're a better football team than Tennessee. So, interesting. Um, the schedule in the last couple months does get harder. There's no gimmies. There's no easy games. A lot of division games. But by then, Alshon's back. You would think Wentz is in form, you know, for sure. It's rolling along. So, this is big, but I think the Eagles clearly are still the favorite to win the East. I mean, maybe they'll look back and say, man, we could have had a bye, but now we got to go to New Orleans. Or, you know, the, with the NFC so tough, there's so many powerhouses that maybe this costs them, instead of hosting the NFC Championship, they go to Green Bay. You know, like, ouch. You know, the, so it is a big deal in a quest to repeat. But that's my take on it all. Um, going to go do my show. Going to go head back to Pittsburgh. Excited to see the fam. Over and out. Spread the word. Check out The Athletic. See you.